0: Hey, you guys, welcome back to the So Life podcast. I'm so excited that you're here. And just thank you to everybody that tunes in and streams live with us. Definitely bring your questions. We have a very important guest tonight. His name is Brandon May. Super excited. He's a real estate investor, um, entrepreneur. And I can't wait for you guys to hear his story. So I'm going to give you guys some time to log on and we will be right back.
1: Welcome to the so Lux Life Podcast, where our goal is to enhance the mental, physical, and spiritual luxuries in life. Make your life luxurious through knowledge, coaching, training, and technique. Visit us online at SoLuxLife.com. Here's your host, Crispin J. Watson. Hey, okay, so Brandon, how are
0: you?
1: Well great Chris Thank you for having me. That was actually really, really dope. Thank you so much. That was a nice intro.
0: Thank you. I'm so excited that you're here. I know you're super, super busy. I see you killing the real estate game. Just first and foremost, tell us a little bit about you, kind of where you grew up. What's your story? How did you get into real estate?
1: So my story, I'm actually going to give it, give it to you like a small nutshell type of deal. <laughs> I'm from Mobile, Alabama. I grew up in a smaller community, Preacher, Alabama, inside of Mobile. I uh, stayed in a two-bedroom home with 15 people, and most of the people in my family at high school dropouts. So I always had this vision yeah. that one day if I can graduate high school, then my sisters, they have to at least graduate high school. Um, my dad was killed when I was younger. I was about 15 years old. My dad got killed. Well, no. Okay. My stepdad stepped in my life when I was 15. My dad got killed when I was two years old. Um, my stepdad raised me. My mom raised me and my grandma. So they taught us how to be uh, locked in, how to be disciplined. And despite anything that was going on around us, then my mm-hmm. sister we had the mindset that one day we'll get an opportunity to, to just be great in life. And Every day we just showed up with that same type of mindset. And here I am today. I'll make a long story short. That was the beginning. And um, now I'm a real estate investor, did over millions and millions of dollars last year investing. And that was my first full year in real estate. So I'm just super excited to see what God is going to take me. I'm just trying to keep putting everything together. It's pieces to the puzzle.
0: Yes, so encouraging. So it was 15 of you guys growing up in one home. Were these all your siblings or kind of walk us through that?
1: So my grandma for some reason, she would just open her doors for anybody at any time. <laughs> so we had this small, little two-bedroom home, and on any given night, my cousins, my, <laughs> my uncles, <laughs> my aunts, and anybody else would, would be there with us. And we used to make these things called pallets, where you just basically roll out roll out the sheet of stuff on the on the uh, ground, and that's what we right. were doing. And so it was, I got three sisters, one graduated from University of Alabama now, one from Auburn and one from South Alabama. So it's them. And like I say, any given night, my uncles and cousins and everybody else. So we was primarily 15 at all times,
0: at all times. <laughs> so we, we y'all did. were deep. <laughs> Yes, but I just love family. Like, I'm so family-oriented. Like, every year our family does, like, a family reunion, which we haven't been able to do in years just because of COVID. So are you, like, really tight with your family because of that, because you saw that dynamic going up?
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, Those moments really shaped and, and molded us and gave us this family mindset. As we get a little bit deeper mm-hmm. in conversation and we talk about where I am right now and some of the things I've done in life, you'll see how that moment of growing up with family, how it actually shaped where I am right now. That was some key decisions that I made later on in, in my career of life um, that mm-hmm. put me in this position that was that was family moves that I made. Some people look at it like a crazy situation, but it got me to this point. We'll, we'll talk a little bit about that later on. But yeah, definitely been been close knitted with my family, taught me teamwork, taught me discipline, mm-hmm. taught me a whole lot of different things that I have the advantage now against other people because of those days with the pallets on the floor, you know,
0: right? Like the days you never forget. Right. So kind of what led you to your first real estate deals? Because you used to play football. Kind of tell us about that. Like, you skip all over that. (laughs) Yeah, I'm
1: trying to. I'm telling you now, this thing, it
0: goes deep. It
1: goes deep. We want
0: the deep. We want deep.
1: (laughs) All right. So, I'm trying to take my time with it. So, that's me growing up. I grew up in that environment. A lot of killing, gun violence, drugs, and everything else moving around. Actually, my disadvantages, what people would call my disadvantages, became my advantages. Uh, being able mm-hmm. to see my cousins move dope around and and seeing certain things happen, it taught me that hunger. It taught me that grind, seeing people wake up at five o'clock in the morning. I know some people like, man, that is strange. But really, I was able to take that and mold that into something positive. Seeing mm-hmm. them stay up on the, on the corner from five o'clock to three o'clock in the evening time, now I'm able to go into these real estate deals and I'm able to you know, continue to send offers over and over and over, or negotiate great deals because of those things that I've seen. So, anything that I've been through in life, I'm really grateful and thankful for it. So, I got to 15 years old, and my mom she moved me over to a different environment, moved me and my sisters. We enrolled uh-huh. in I enrolled in uh, high school, and um, it was just some challenges that I had to go through. I didn't, I wasn't a starter on the football team my freshman year. Mm-hmm. I wasn't popular or whatever you would say. I wasn't the, the top guy. Um, my freshman, sophomore year, my junior year, I even wasn't. But my senior year, I became a, a starter on the football team. And that mm-hmm. really started, started shaping things for me. Um, I ended up signing a full scholarship to play for Clemson University. And Everybody has oh, this nice. Yeah, you know Clemson if you watch this video. And I got there, I was a two-star recruit, which means on a ranking from from one to five, I was on the lower mm-hmm. half of it. So I was like the underdog kid, the guy that they just, the last one that signed that we just going to throw him in and just put him on the signing class. So I was always a, a diamond in the rough. I was always a person that had to defeat the odds. And mm-hmm. day, I worked my butt out. I got to Clemson. I ended up becoming a starter as a freshman. Ooh. And all those guys, those four stars and those five stars, I beat them out. And I started <laughs> as a freshman, became a freshman All American, had an outstanding career at Clemson. Um, I mm-hmm. got to my junior year, In my junior year, this is where it all changed for me. My junior year, I had a decision to make um, do mm-hmm. I stay and finish, I guess, my master's degree because I graduated in three years, or do I enter the NFL draft, which is guaranteed millions and millions of dollars? And so yeah. I think we talked about it a couple of seconds ago. Um, being that close-knitted family, I decided that I was going to stay for my senior year and I was going to finish off and get my degree because my grandma had congestive heart failure. And I didn't know Mm -hmm. that my grandma was about to pass away. It was just like blue for me. And I made a decision. I made a decision to stay for my senior year, but I transferred closer to home and I ended up at Mississippi State. So I played my senior Mm year at Mississippi State, got hurt in camp, and played the whole year. Just just hurt, just beat up, just went from being this, this guy that was signing millions and millions of dollars to just being at the lowest point of my life. I got depressed. I just had to find a way to finish that year off. So with my master's degree in hand, I finished off at Mississippi State. And then the night of the NFL draft came and I ended up going undrafted. And I did the craziest thing. I want to speak to somebody tonight because I know, uh, if you don't mind, because I know somebody watching yes. yeah, yes. this video, like you really, you ready to give up on life, you ready to throw in the towels It feel like that every time you write something on your goal board, it doesn't become a reality or you feel like you're against the eight ball all every day, like you can't get the resources and stuff you need to kind of take off in your business. Can't get the resources you need to take off in life. Are you a single parent? You're working extremely hard. Like just that person that's going against the odds right now going against the grain, guys. I want to tell you, don't stop. Don't give up. Don't give in. And this is the reason why, what I'm about to tell you guys is you're about to be able to feel where I'm coming from. So it's the night of the draft. It's my mom there. I got my grandma there. Like, this is supposed to be the moment. I've played all these snaps on ESPN. I've been a top-rated guy for the NFL. So, despite what was going on with me at Mississippi State, despite the injury, all those things, I figured like the NFL is certainly not gonna pass on me because I've done this this much work to get to this mm-hmm. point. And so it was the last pick of the draft, and my name wasn't called. And I remember looking around the room and I looked at my grandma. I looked at my mom, my sister, and I'm just—I'm looking at the disappointment on their face. Like they're excited because I made it through college. I got my master's degree, but at the mm-hmm. same time, I told my mom, growing up in this two-bedroom home, that when I make it to the NFL, mom, you will never want for nothing. So I was driven. I had a purpose while I was doing what I was doing. Every day I was showing up. Mm-hmm. My mom would never want for nothing, and now we're here at this moment, and it's over. My name wasn't called. So I remember going outside and I looked at my stepdad, who stepped in my life when I was mm-hmm. three years old after my dad had been murdered by his by his mom's boyfriend. He stepped in my life, and I remember looking at this guy and I'm telling him, "Man, I hate you. How did you put me in this? To you know how you how you put me in football to allow this to 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 break my heart, knowing that this man took mm-hmm. me and put me in football because." My- it was a- away from the drugs, to keep me away from the gun violence and all this stuff, I'm telling this guy, I hate you because I'm disappointed. It's the night of the draft my name wasn't called. So I get in the car, the car, the same car that my mom had purchased for me. She scrapped up money to make happen when I was at Clemson. And I drove by my elementary school. I remember the days I was bullet, kind of like flashing back, drove by my mm. middle school drove by my high school where the teachers told me, you'll never be nothing. You'll be a high school dropout, you'll sell dope and you eventually get killed. And I just kept driving. It's a lonely night, it's dark. My phone is blowing up, my mom calling, the pastor calling, like, man, what's going on? Like, what's about to happen? Like, everybody's calling me at this point. And in the far, I saw this bridge and it was doing construction and I saw it was open. And I said to myself, wouldn't it be better because I told my mom this was going to happen. Wouldn't it be better if I just drive this car off the bridge and just end it? So I come up on the bridge, I come up on the bridge and and the waves are crashing and I'm just thinking back and I'm beating the steering wheel and I'm crying. And kind of like somebody right now that's watching this video, I made up my mind that I was going to give up, that I was going to commit suicide this night. And uh, I pressed the gas pedal. I pressed the gas pedal and I promise you, I'm a spiritual guy. I'm always going to be spirit led. And guys, my car cut off, my car. No way. Like It's a brand new car. And I I began to hear the voice of God say, look, it's more than I require of you. The football was the football was only a platform. The football was on the opportunity to do what I call you to do. And I I go back home, just crying, just just beat, just battered. Just where do I go now, God? And the next day I get a call from the NFL. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers, they want to bring me in to do a physical and see if I can perform. I remember getting in there and the doctors and everything standing around and they gave me the bad news that that my career was over, that I had to have a reconstructive surgery on my Achilles. Came back home to Mobile, had a 15 hour surgery to reconstruct my Achilles. Got the calf muscle, brought it down to my Achilles so my toes can flex. Uh, Pull some of my hamstring down. All this crazy stuff. I took my body through the most excruciating pain that I could probably endure. And after that, I got back home, and God just began to start speaking. Look, this was only a platform. Don't give up. Don't give in. That just kept going through my mind. And during that time, my grandma she told me, she said, "Look, you in pain. You you might as well get something from it. Like you already in pain. You already went through all the hurt. You already went through all the disappointment. You might as well get something from it." And every night I would grab a I would grab my tablet and with my crutches and my big old cast on my leg, I would just take a pen and I would write and I couldn't really understand what was going on. And I would write chapter one, chapter two, chapter three, and I just kept writing. I was just letting my pain go. I remember writing these words and I'm crying the whole time I'm writing them. I'm gonna share a picture with you too of me, uh of me actually writing the book because I was like, somebody gonna see this one day. I'm taking a picture. <laughs> And, uh before you know it, before you know it, about 30, 45 days, uh, your boy had wrote a book and I was a published author. And after that, things just started to happen. I started one company. I failed a little bit, started another company, failed a little bit more, and then I started winning, right? I started <laughs> and things just started taking off in this past year. We did over two million dollars in real estate transactions and i was the real estate investor so that that's that's a testimony guys to show you that when you don't give up and you don't give in which i try to you know when you mm-hmm. make it on the other side of the pain and stuff that you endure you know that it's going to be a blessing so i'm a real estate yeah. investor we got airbnb properties there's different things that i'm doing lunch and companies and over 20 employees so all this started with me just finding a way to pick myself up. So, guys, I want you to be encouraged. I know I kind of ran with this. I kind
0: of – you told me yes. to go. I
1: just kind of yes.
0: With you. Yes, that's what we want. We want the real, we want the deep, we want the authentic. And that's such a testimony because there's so many people that battle depression and they're going through things that they will never talk about. But you know, if you don't talk about it, it'll eventually beat you up inside. And I've been there, like I went through a divorce and I was like at my lowest. I was super depressed. I had to go to therapy even had thoughts of suicide throughout that but nothing but God and kind of like you I got my laptop out I started writing and I wrote a book I haven't published it yet but I wrote a book and this was like three two three years ago whenever I was going through my divorce but it just hasn't been published because I wanted to make sure it was written and out of a place To where I could help people. It's about turning your pain into purpose, just letting the things that you go through use it for your advantage. But I just have to make sure that it's not written out of a place of bitterness because I know I was kind of going through it then. So I'm kind of in the process where I'm just kind of going back and just reading it with a clear mind from like a standpoint of healing just to make sure that this book can really help someone else. So that's amazing. I feel like God gives us words and he wants us to be purposeful and actually use them.
1: I need you to get that book done. I need you to get that book out because there's somebody that can relate to it and the timing is now. You're right. Back on a story I was reading about the singer Adele. And Adele, she was struggling. She was getting ready to do one of the albums that went like double platinum. It was crazy. I think it was the last album that she did. And they were saying Adele would go to the studio and she would write a little bit, but she would get writer's block because she was going through something with her husband. And then she would do it again and she could never get it. And eventually he told her that he, he had somebody else pregnant, they ended up getting a divorce. And then Odell mm-hmm. was crying, she was in the corner. She was like, take me to the studio. They was like, she went crazy for like two weeks straight because of all the bitterness and pain. Somebody was waiting to hear that. Somebody was mm-hmm. waiting to hear that part of it. So I say that to say that I know you said that was during a bitter time, but yeah. somebody waiting to hear at that moment they want that moment right somebody yes.
0: yeah you're absolutely right this lady this older lady that would um be in the kids center in the gym so i would take my son in there and talk to her and one day she was just like it's just something about you like god wants you to do something that you've been holding going to i was like oh speak to me jesus <laughs> Because I felt like she was talking about the book and then I told her and she was like, yes, release it. And I haven't done it. I've been disobedient, but I'm giving y'all my word. My word is my mind that I'm going to release the book this year. So be on the lookout. Be on the lookout for that. Because I truly believe you go through things like God will kind of slow you down. And he won't give you certain things because you're not ready for them at that time. So, if you felt like you're supposed to be, you know, an NFL draft and this, this, and that, and it didn't work out, just wait your time. As he said, like, he's a living testimony. Like, so you didn't get millions from the NFL, but you're making millions doing real estate. So, so why real estate? Kind of tell me, like, what what got you into actually doing real estate?
1: So, one of my. So one of my favorite shows coming through college football and being at Clemson was called Flipping with Vegas, something like that. Flipping Vegas, that's what it was called. Flipping Vegas came on HGTV, Husband and the Wife Duo. And I used to just watch it every time I come from practice. I just watch it. And I, I love to see something that's beat up, tore up, and like really everybody having given it a shot at all, just kind of wipe it away. And I, I like to see it turn around. So I came fascinated with the turnaround process. And I was never really driven by the money side of it, right? Mm-hmm. A lot of people make the mistake of being driven by money, but yeah, you have yes. to have something a little bit deeper that continues to keep you going because whatever you get the money, then I've seen a lot
0: they of
1: the money didn't blow their brains out. So mm-hmm. I've never really been driven by the money, but actually the process and seeing something getting turned around. So flipping Vegas, flipping with Vegas or flipping Vegas that was one of the, the top shows on HGTV at the time. So I just wanted to do what they was doing. I wanted to turn some stuff around. And I, I became fascinated with that process.
0: Yes, yeah, so kind of walk us through your first flip. How was that process for you?
1: So my first <laughs> flip, I lost $35,000. right. Ooh. So I want to make sure <laughs> people know
0: that the get-rich
1: thing overnight, it's a process too. I tried to do some type of some type of method that i came up in my brain that i can buy a property that was undervalued and i can add value to it and i can rent it out for a little bit and then after i rent it out i can turn around and sell it well what they didn't tell me is that (laughs) it's a process of somebody squat on your property to get them out of there so girl she, she knew the system she had been doing this over and over i renovated the house I've gotten the house up to speed. Now I'm going to rent it out to her. Well, she stopped making her payments. So I reached out reach out to her and I'm like, God, what's going on? What's what's the deal with the payments? Like, I'll work with you. Just talk to me. She went yeah. MIA. Well, she has set it up some type of way and squatted on the property for months. So we spent money getting her out. We spent money on the rehab. And also we bought the we bought the property with too much. It was like more on the retail side than not on the wholesale side. So I bought uh-huh. it at the like at a retail price, and there wasn't much equity for us to have all this crazy stuff going on without any income coming from it. So I ended up losing about thirty five thousand on my first rehab, but it looked good on HGTV though.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> it was on TV.
1: Yeah, they didn't tell me that part. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it always
0: looks so fun and easy. Like we'll just buy this property, we'll knock this wall out, boom, we're done. You make yeah. eighty thousand dollars, but. Yeah, so you had to go through an eviction process, I'm guessing, to get her out.
1: Mm-hmm. The whole process. So, like I said, you got the rehab money, you got a house that's worth forty thousand, and we bought it for forty thousand, or maybe forty five. And then we put all that rehab money in. By the time she squatted on it, she knew how to file the paperwork so that she continued <laughs> to squat over and over and over. So, I mean, you had those months up, we was lost by by thirty five, and we was on a hard money loan, yeah. guys. So we were spending 12% interest rate. It got yeah. bad. It got bad fast.
0: So I'm glad that that didn't discourage you from doing another deal. So tell us about like your first successful deal. Like that was, yeah, that that is was hard. the hard one. We're, we're, yeah, you where's you one wanted that the that? <laughs> <laughs>
1: one of the first of my first successful deal. So last year we flipped 30 houses and that mm-hmm. was page that was in and out we had to keep it moving and I also did a couple of wholesale deals so my first, I can't even remember my first successful deal I'm sorry but we have done <laughs> just
0: so many we
1: have done cuz all the street names kind of like running together now you got four bedroom two bath three bedroom two bath it's just all over the place in my brain um but I know on the first deal I know around about we did about 30,000 35,000 on the profit side It was a real smooth transition from the beginning of construction to the end. And I think the biggest thing for us and why I was able to make money is because I got in and got out and I didn't give that one GC, which is general contractor. I didn't give them Uh all the work. I brought in different subs. So I had an AC guy. I had a roofing guy. I had a painter guy. And that's the same type of philosophy that I have today is being able to use multiple subs because anything can happen. Somebody can catch coronavirus. Mm -hmm. Somebody can run away with the money. Somebody can, you know, it's just so much can happen when you give one person the work. Now, Mm -hmm. I GC every project and I got a project manager. And so we come up with our own game plans and we are really, really strict. So, we don't touch the flips unless we make at least 25,000 profit in this market, the Alabama Mar- Mobile mm-hmm. Alabama market. So, it's just trying to piece it all together, but we we made about 30,000 on it. Any like specific questions you got for that?
0: Yeah. So, Ken, what was the process? How did you find the property? Was it off market or kind of just walk so, us through the. the so, now process. the city
1: is calling me off the market mate. Because I only buy off-the-market deals. I buy situations. I figured out that in order for me to have a big enough spread to be able to take on city inspectors getting in and then making my, my rehabs lengthy and all this other stuff, all the unknown, unforeseen things coming in, then you got you to gotta be able to buy these properties at such a discounted rate that you'll have enough equity in it to withstand anything that's going on against it. So Mm -hmm. every deal I do now is pretty much off of the market. When I say off the market, that means a situation. I like to buy situations. Somebody got a divorce, somebody passed Mm -hmm. away, somebody inherited the property, but they stay in New York and their mom left them a property in Mobile. They don't want anything to do with the property tax. They want to just kind of let it go. They don't want anything to do with that. And so I'm able to go in, for example, say that house, the same house I'm talking about, say it's worth $100,000. Well, mom paid off their house. It's already paid for. So the person in New York, they may say, hey, I'm fine with taking 40,000 for it. it's paid off. But for me, if I buy that 40,000, I put 10,000 in, I sell it for 100,000. You got a big enough spread there. So being right. by situations, um, every city got those posters all around the city. At the, at the traffic light, say, we buy homes. We
0: buy
1: houses, right? <laughs> we buy homes. So I'm one of them guys. I produce, right. I produce my own leads. And I have some relationships with some wholesalers that go out and market for these deals. And I end up buying those deals from them because they can also give them to me at a good enough rate. So buying homes with a big enough spread so that you can renovate it, put it back on the market quickly and make some money from it. Um, that's really good. Like we got one right now that we bought for a hundred thousand and it's worth three hundred and fifty thousand. So you can do oh, the wow. you, can do, you can do the math on that. We're gonna make I'm six yeah. So that's so how doing. much are
0: you putting in the rehab on that one? Uh, on that one?
1: About a hundred thousand, dollars hundred and twenty thousand.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, but you're we're still making,
1: making like, like a hundred yeah. thousand and I'm for sale by owner. So I said that for sale by owner.
0: You don't you don't want to list oh, it. You want to let man. me list it. more
1: <laughs> have the agent in on this. So... Come
0: on. <laughs> Sometimes, just... though, we Sometimes we have
1: agents on. them. Sometimes we have agents on.
0: Hey, well, keep me keep me in the loop whenever you decide to put agent on. <laughs> but someone in the comments asks, "What markets are you in?"
1: So I'm in Mobile, Atlanta, Georgia. Well, I'm in Atlanta when it comes to Airbnbs, short term rentals, and Houston, mm-hmm. Texas. So because I've done so well with the flipping, I'm able to allocate the money out, meaning starting the 401k, you know, push the money around, right? So we can save on mm-hmm. tax. But not only that, I'm able to expand my passive income. I don't like long-term rentals. I, I sold them. I had like 10 of them. I let go of because mm-hmm. I don't have time to uh pacify people and make yeah. people to stay in something that you supposed, come on. I, this is a roof over your head. You're supposed to be paying. Yeah. So I don't have time to chase people around. So we do more of the short term Airbnb style. Um, I like to use that as my passive income. So now if I'm flipping houses. I can use that money to make down payments on a half a million dollar house and desk in Destin, Florida, something like that. That we're making four hundred, five hundred dollars a day on. So mm. and the flipping money now to advance the short term rental. That's that's what I'm doing now.
0: Nice. I love it. So you say we so you work with a team is it you and multiple people or so i'm sole, the I'm
1: sole owner of the company but mm-hmm. i've developed relationships now with other people that have has a ton of money and it's just sitting and i'm giving them a return on their investment so instead of the stock market they're getting real estate opportunities and I started a capital investment group. So I now own my, y'all the first one to hear this. I now hey. launch my own bank. So I have my own bank now. Oh. I, have a, yeah, right. yeah. I have my own bank using other people's money in order to that invest in real estate. So I'm a lender. So I can do hard money deals and private money deals and also on short-term rentals.
0: Yeah they said nice i know that is nice that's so encouraging see we get the school we get the first of the first yeah. here on the yeah, podcast
1: nobody's <laughs> ever heard that matter of fact <laughs> right? don't put that out <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay let me know when when we can release this <laughs> No,
1: I'm just playing. it's cool it's cool but yeah i started i figured it'd be cool coming from the hood standing at there yeah. to now being able to uh reach out and, and have all these resources and being able to um, create a brand and name for yourself that now when when I say bald, but I'm not being racist or anything like that, I'll say bald because that's my guy, right? So uh, he, he told his other friend and bald friend got friends. So now if you take care of them and take care of their money, then they're co- they going to continue to trust you to give them a return on their money. And that can be black, white, Puerto Rican, Chinese. It doesn't matter. You know, money is money. So being able to build those resources coming from the hood and, these people respect you with tattoos and dreadlocks, you know, that's, that's, that's That's, that's the new, that's the new cool. So, um, I started a capital investment group and I lunched off and we created a a small private bank.
0: Are you able to tell us what the name of it is? Legacy. It's
1: legacy. Legacy
0: Legacy.
1: bank. Yeah. Legacy bank. Yep. It's simple. Mm -hmm. Legacy bank. The Capital Investment Group is Legacy Capital Investments.
0: Wow. So if you have like a future investor, they're looking to get into investing and don't really want to go hard money. Would you say it's more like hard money or are you guys kind of easier to work with in a sense when it comes to investing?
1: I guess the advantage is I actually, um, and I don't know why this hat keep tilting. I'm going to make it right (laughs) now. (laughs) it's like the camera reverse. (laughs) Yeah, laugh a little bit about that. But um, I guess you can say, uh, depending on the situation. So we have hard money opportunities. We are working on more long-term opportunities for people. And the advantage is I actually do this business. So my people Mm -hmm. trust me to be able to evaluate the deals, understanding what's the ARV, Knowing how to run comms, knowing how to go into the deal and see the rehab side of it. Um, that's that's our advantage as a company. Right. So we we have taken that and we're now able to do commercial deals, buy apartment complexes, do RV parks, things on a bigger scale. It's a lot of levels to this, Chrisman. I can't go. Out I see. This.
0: Yes. We need all the levels. We're going to have to bring you back like a few more times so we can you know, dive deeper into it. <laughs> Yeah. So, um, so how does your family feel about all this? Are they super excited? Are they super happy for you? Yeah.
1: My number one thing is what is a man to gain the world and lose his soul? Amen. What is a man to gain the world and lose his family? So it's very important to keep my balance. Um, like I said to you before we even got on this call, I kind of limit the amount of action and calls that I do. We had HGTV reach out, because they like the juicy story, the the guy mm-hmm. that was, you know, the, the the football player that had the injury and all that stuff and now I'm flipping houses. So I turned mm-hmm. that down. So I turned on HGTV because I'm big on timing. I'm big on being able to communicate well with my family and being able mm-hmm. to go places and do things. And I didn't come this far to not have the freedom and the passive income that it needs to kind of buy my life back. You know, I've I've started mobile auto detailing company. mobile auto detailing company i did the pressure washing company and then i used that to get into uh, the real estate and then now from the real estate i'm using the real estate to launch off the short term rentals the airbnbs the passive income that'll give me more and more time so when you got seven thousand dollars coming in a month you kind of you kind of can breathe a little bit different and you get twenty thousand coming in a month you 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 kind of can breathe a little (laughs) bit (laughs) (laughs) like you can go to Utah with the family go to Gatlinburg. We was, we was in Gatlinburg in December, just kind of just hanging out with my mom, my sisters, and, and showing them, like, guys, look, didn't go NFL, but we're NFL in life. So my job mm. and my assignment, my job, period, <laughs> my job <laughs> and my assignment is uh, to continue to advance myself. Never get too big, never get too small, to continue to advance yourself and, and continue to be able to uh, come back to the city. We got a non-profit organization here in the city where we do stuff for the kids, and we're going to give them the game. Um, it, it may not be looked looked at or looked upon by the politicians as uh, uh, we happy that he's here teaching them this, but I'm here for this. This is what God called me to do. Uh, so I teach the kids in the hood. I teach them how to read bank statements, how to how to open a bank account, how to launch this business, how to do trades. That's what it's about, you know, being able to pay for everything else. The grit and the grind. That's me. That's that's personal. That's what I do every day so I can come back to my city and do what I'm called to do.
0: Right. I think that's what it's about. I don't feel like God blesses us and takes us to different levels for us to be stingy with it yeah. and not yeah. want to share what we learned along the way or help the next person out. You know, each one teach one, yeah. as they say. But that's great. I mean, that you're actually going back to your community, teaching financial literacy, because that's where it all begins. And that's that's missing a lot in the Black communities. Mm-hmm. So kind of where do you think the gap is? Like, what do you think would help fill this gap? Um That we experience in the black community when it comes to like financial literacy or getting into real estate investing or crypto, whatever, whatever that gap may be.
1: So I think the gap is is from information, knowledge and resources, information, Mm -hmm. knowledge and resources It's not that those kids in that area are equipped to be successful, right? Because I'm a kid from that area, right? So we know mm-hmm. based on, on on the tests and doing a, a beta test using just me and it's many more people, I'm just using me for example, that these kids, it's not that they don't have what it takes to be successful, but just having those resources and the information and hope. Hope is huge. Being able mm-hmm. to change your mindset and change your environment and see that, oh my God, it's possible. Like when I, I went on my visit to Clemson. I wanted to catch a flight because I've never I've never caught a flight like my mom. They work hard, but i never I never caught a flight. So I caught a flight to Clemson because I want to see what it was like. And it changed my mindset. Now I go and deal with people that's been multimillionaires for years, all the mentors and stuff that I got. I deal with those guys and I get a chance to see. Um, what it's like to, in their eyes, be successful. And I, I get to ride in the Rolls Royce and I get to hop on a private plane. All that stuff, it, it expands your mind and gives you a bigger vision. Uh, one thing that I've seen in December, I think December, November last year, it just kind of just, it took, me for, it took me for a loop. It actually helped me out in what we're looking to do as a nonprofit. I saw a kid at a coffee shop and he's from a private school. And I know because of his uniform that he was from a private school. He's about 15 years old. He was in front of me. He was paying for his coffee. And first off, where I'm from, like kids coming in with a credit card, 15 years old, paying for coffee. I'm like, what the world? So I started to get intrigued. Like, what's what's up with this? So I asked him when he finished getting his coffee. I said, uh, is that your mom's card or is that your dad's card? He said, no, that's my card. Your card? You mean to tell me you got a, you got a credit card? And so I started thinking about it. Dang, like I'm flashing back. Like, what if the kids in my community had a card at 15? Would they would they be following the pattern of being Section 8? Or would they would they have a different type of mindset on what success looked like? Or would they do like mom did and, and 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 mom mom did and just keep following the same pattern thinking that's cool? But the politicians say, Oh, we're gonna stop the violence. And they do that every year when it's time to get the votes, right? But mm-hmm. where are where are those same politicians when it's time to teach these kids how to write a check or how to go and right. pull your credit, how to work with the bank to get your credit score right? And so mm-hmm. in that moment, I said to myself, look, if I don't do nothing else, I have to show these kids how to do these things so that they can have a chance. It's and- not it's not that the gap is this big. It's actually this big. But they have to see what it look like. They have to feel what it look like. They have to be able to read and see and feel some success. Oh, OK. That's what it's like to open the bank account. That's what right. it's like. balance one hundred dollars. So we took five thousand dollars and we we brought in some kids with the bank and we let them balance that to produce their credit score, to get their credit score up. Like I literally went in my for nice. you know, five thousand. I need these many kids to have hundred dollars, and I need them to balance that, so they can see what it feel like. The bank said, "Okay, if you're gonna put up that money, then we'll put up some money too, because of our relationship." So now the kid mm-hmm. got two hundred dollars to balance. If he balance that two hundred, right, then we can continue to advance him and grow him, and then help him out when it's time to go to college. We can get him a scholarship for the type of stuff because we know he went through our program. So stuff like that. This is stuff that we're doing behind the scenes that we know that can, this gap that people think is like this, it's really like this, we can close mm-hmm. that gap. So then our babies can have the same credit card and be in the same coffee shop, and they look like this. They look, they, you know what I mean? They look like yeah. this. You know, and people are like, oh, that's impressive. That's
0: important. Yes, you know I'm I love it. Yeah, that's I love her. it. I love that you're doing that because, because you know, sometimes they don't see it at home. So it's good that you're actually getting out there um, and actually exposing them to bank accounts and managing money. Because I was surprised; like, I just thought it was normal. But I got into my grown years and I met people that didn't have a bank account, and I was just so shocked. I'm like, "Hey, I mean, how are you getting paid?" But it's different. So I mean, but it just you know, it all kind of boils down to. What they saw growing up, just things that they aren't accustomed
1: to. I had a 450 credit score. And I'm not, I'm not, Mm -hmm. I'm not like on some embarrassed to say type of stuff. I had a 450 credit score after the injury. After I decided I was gonna go into the bank and I was gonna pull my credit score. Like it's so much was going through my mind while I was writing the book. I was at the lowest point of my life. What do I have to lose? So I went in, (laughs) I had a 450 credit score. I learned so much about myself, and I told the bank, I said, Hey, you see where I am right now? You about to watch something. You about to see something amazing take place. (laughs) I would show up. Check this out. I would show up for the next two months, and I would come into the bank, and I would get rejected over and over and over because I had to teach myself rejection because playing football, you're a top star. Like You don't really know rejection. You play football for these people. They get paid. They university make money, and all of a sudden, they feed you to the wolves if you don't go to the NFL. (laughs) That's why a lot of the athletes, they kill themselves because they don't know how to transition to life at the football. Mm -hmm. So I had to teach myself how to be rejected. So I went in the bank at least eight times and they would look at me and say, Hey man, are you crazy? You taking shots at your credit right now? But I had to teach myself to hear no, no, no. And that's how I became a salesperson. That's how I worked for a company um, in Atlanta, Georgia and became a top salesman without knowing anything about construction before I even started doing real estate pressure washing, any of these things, I went in the office and just took over because I knew how to hear no, 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 and keep going. Like real estate agents, they struggle with that sometimes. They hear no and they go crying. I'm like, no, don't hear no and go crying. Do like the kid in the third world country. If the third world country kid, he hears no, he's going to be back the next day. He's going to be back the next day because he feel like it's all on the line. And as an American, we know we got so many escapes. Like, what Uh if this, what if that happened? Right? We got so many plan Bs, but when you make up your mind, like, look, it's only this plan, and this is the only plan, and if this plan don't work, then I'm gonna die with the plan, I'm going down with the plan. That's a mindset thing, you know. That's a mindset thing. I know it's real estate agents watching this. That's a mindset thing. So, I want to challenge somebody to double up and triple up your sales, and double up and triple up your mindset, and see past where you are right now. Have faith and seeing things that are not even there. So if you did 100,000 last year, we need 200,000 this year, how did that happen? What is it that you're doing that you have to like put it all together and say, hey, look, this is how I get there. You have to, you, that has to become your, your, your mindset, the way that you think, the way that you operate. Tell me no, okay, that's cool, I'll be back tomorrow. Tell me no tomorrow, that's cool, I'll be back in two weeks. And I'm persistent, this is how I am for real. <laughs>
0: Yeah, that's amazing. I actually ran across a post today on Instagram where it said like real estate is the business of rejection. So you have to prepare yourself for the no's because if you just go to somebody like, Hey, let me sell your house. Like, no, (laughs) (laughs) it's just just like, it's not, you're not going to get that first. Yes. Like every time, you know, sometimes it happens, but you do kind of have to prepare yourself for those no's. Um, So kind of how did you shift your mindset? So after the NFL didn't work out, I know you said you wrote, but did you do anything outside of writing? Did you seek any type of counseling? Did you start reading a lot? Kind of what shifted your mindset?
1: So the only counseling I felt like I seek is my counseling with my, my personal relationship with Jesus Christ. That was the only counseling. Mm-hmm. So that was the only counseling <laughs> that I really had. Um, that was the base of this claim. And I wouldn't call it to the top because I'm like on a scale of one to ten. In my mind, I'm like on two. Right, so I got so far <laughs> to go, but I'm not where I used to be at. Right, right. So being able to celebrate those little wins, um, I've got a lot of a lot more in me, but I'm not. where I'm only 32, but I'm not where I used to be at. And some things about me is is DNA. It's just that's how I'm built. I was a middle linebacker in college football, playing in front of 100,000 people and getting people lined up and all the interviews. So I had to be really, really mature. And I grew up Mm -hmm. in an environment where if you make one move or you say one thing incorrect, then you're dead. It doesn't matter your age. And so that was a little bit that was inside of me. But outside of of what's inside of me, um, I think I put myself in uncomfortable situations. Right. Mm -hmm. So I had a master's degree and I could have went anywhere in the country and worked in corporate America. But I said I would take my mom beat up. 2000 Yukon with no AC in it and only a couple windows <laughs> let down. And I would put a trailer onto the back of it and I would detail cars. I wanted to put myself in an uncomfortable situation. So many people that feel like success is this far, far fetched thing when success has really been able to adapt to uncomfortable situations and say that my uncomfortableness, I'm actually comfortable right now. And mm-hmm. I guess that's a good and a bad thing. Like, when I, when I get in that like uncomfortable mode, which is everyday for me because I keep myself there, I'm never too high, never too low, I'm always humble that my, my I guess my superpowers begin to activate. So being able to know what are your strengths and what are your weaknesses and what activate those strengths and weaknesses right? And using that to your advantage, like what makes you go? Is it your purpose? My mom, mm-hmm. my dad, my sister, and Using that every day and doing it over and over and over and becoming cons- consistent doing that is what's going to separate you. It's going to give you some form of a foundation, and then that attitude and that mindset is just, just you, you can't teach dog. When you got that dog in you, it's like
0: <laughs> I try <train. laughs> You can't teach hustle. Like you really can. My mentor tells me that all the time, like you can't teach hustle. Like I can call you and beat you down, try to make you do it, but if you don't have that drive in you, it's just not in you.
1: So yeah. the most I guess the most earthly way to, to, to teach yourself is to find out what, what actually drives you, what pushes you, what motivates you, what you what you have to do every day to keep going. And then mm-hmm. doing that consistently and then now it becomes a habit because you do something over and over and over. This is a habit. So, I'm already built like this where if anything happened, that my grandma passed away. So, when my grandma passed away, the drive never left. Right. So, when she passed away, the drive never left. I mean, of course, I cried, I moaned, you know, that's my heart. But my drive never left. As a matter of fact, guys, I got more aggressive because I'm like, oh, okay, grandma on the plate a whole different way now. Like, grandma here on some spiritual type of stuff. Like, I got, I can't. (laughs) I can't make no crazy moves and I can't afford to lay in the bed all day and cry about this. I got to go and make right. some shit because grandma, you know, grandma, I got to I got to satisfy her now. So, things like that, man. I'm just I'm just driven like that. Like, and you could do the same thing. It's just knowing how to look at your plate and say what drives me, put it on there and continue to find things. Like you was driven, you went through the divorce, you cried for a little bit, you went through counseling. He was like, like, I'm guessing you got kids. You're like, oh yeah, I got kids. I gotta go. All right, I gotta hit. I gotta hit the butt. So what are you gonna yeah. do? Like, do you die with the dream of NFL or do you find a way to keep going? That's why I had to ask myself. So that was that was my attitude
0: yeah people need to realize like life doesn't end when things don't go your way <laughs> because a lot of times god has something so much more for you so much better so much more fulfilling but you just kind of go through those tests so don't fail them just do know that trials will come like it's in the bible like it, it speaks about nothing under the sun. like it hasn't already happened so if people suffered back in the biblical days what makes you think you're not gonna suffer now and
1: it, so, has
0: to just, it has to happen. yeah
1: it's a part of the um, the process, the growth and development. So it's life. if you're watching this, it's, you're no different. Like, mm-hmm. how can God be, you may be saying, dang, my life look like this. How can God be blessing Brandon? He's speaking on these blessings, but I'm doing the same type of stuff, and it's not happening for me. Well, you may be in a different stage in the process. Yeah. And God like, look, you on stage too. You got to get to stage five, but I got to shape you. I got to mold you because if I give it to, you now, you may self-destruct. You may not be ready. Mm -hmm. You may put yourself in an uncomfortable bad, uncomfortable situation (laughs) where you may not be able to bounce back. So I'm going to protect you because I won't put too much on you that you can't bear. Mm -hmm. And that goes both ways that go with success and negativity. I won't put too much on you that you can't bear. So you have to believe by faith that the process is something that I'm going I'm going to marry like I'm going to marry this process. And God, you said you was going to do it for me, that I'm going to believe that's going to happen. And That's anything in life. You got to marry the process.
0: Yeah. And you have to do the work because I know sometimes we like to pray like, okay, God, I want this, but I'm not putting in any work. (laughs) (laughs) Just waiting for him to let it fall in my lap. But it's so much more fulfilling, I feel like, when you kind of have a journey to get there. Because if it was easy, everyone would be doing it. Mm -hmm. And if it was easy, I mean why would we really have to trust God, you know? So everything's just not handed to us hope you guys are encouraged and have been encouraged throughout this podcast. Brandon gave us so much information and let me know if you guys want him to come back on the podcast. As you know, he said he did, he turned down HGTV, but he didn't turn down this. So <laughs> so we're so grateful and so happy that you were here with us. Do you have any other tips or any other words of encouragement for those that are thinking about real estate investing?
1: Don't be afraid. Do your research. Um, figure out how to do deals. Oh yeah, this is huge. So I thought that you had to have all this money to do real estate deals. And what I learned is that the money is plentiful. Meaning that if you understand how to structure deals, how to find deals, then the money will find you. Like you don't have to have a bag of money. You don't have to have a safe deposit with millions and millions of dollars. (laughs) But You can learn how to find I, I, I want to make sure somebody hear me on this because I did, deal with, well, I did my first deal literally, well, my second deal was literally like like $1,000 in my account. So I want y'all to hear this. And we made 40, 40 30 or $40,000 on that deal. And it was, mm-hmm. a, it, was the, well, it was my first wholesale deal because you can do real estate without money. You can structure a deal, find an off-the-market house, and then you can go back to find a cash buyer in your city and sell the contract to them. And you make well, agents don't like that, but you, you feel one coming around. <laughs> you can make a referral fee when well, you get a house on the contract and it's worth one hundred and fifty thousand, and you can put your twenty thousand on there. You can make fifty thousand. There you go. You made twenty thousand dollars without having any money in the deal. And most cash buyers are going to close really fast. I've done this deal over and over and over deal where I made thirty thousand in twenty four hours because I had the contract. I didn't have the money necessary, but I had the contract. So don't look at this thing and say, man, he's saying something that I can't do. Yeah, you can. You can do real estate. I can go get a homeless guy right now on the street, find him at the red light and pull him in and teach him the information and knowledge, how to find a deal and structure a deal and learning the ins and outs of how to do the deal. He can Uh go and make money in real estate today, guaranteed. So
0: So do you teach people the process? Do you mentor any? Are you kind of working on a course or anything that may be coming in the future?
1: So I know y'all get like pop ups every day on your Facebook, Instagram and stuff. Hey, what's up? I'm such and such. How to make a hundred thousand dollars in twenty four hours? I can show you. And then they try to get you involved and all that stuff. That's cool. That's cool. But my reason for doing like the course is because my phone rings too much and I can't do many like one on one mentorships. So I'm gonna create the course from like from step A to the end, and just give it like sell it to whoever need it, so they can go through it and see how to flip houses using other people's money. Because I mm-hmm. use other people's money. It's called the OPM method. I use other people's money to do my deals. So I'm not risking my money in real estate uh, unless we get into like short-term rentals. I use mm-hmm. other people's money, but I understand what type of deals it takes to actually tap into those th- that funding. When you understand that, channel your focus on finding out how to structure deals and what deals the lenders are give you money for. And buying houses. At 70% of the profit margin or 70% of the ARV is what most lenders like to loan out to you. Meaning that if you found a house is worth $100,000, they'll probably lend you $70,000. So you got to be able to do the purchase and also the rehab in that $70,000 for it to be a profitable deal. Mm
0: hmm. Nice, that is game. Someone in the comments asked, "Do you mentor?" So, he has a course coming, as you heard him say. His phone rings off the hook all day, every day, so he doesn't have time for the one-on-one, unfortunately. But
1: I do the the calls, like the free calls. So I'm on the call. Like I just be giving game. Like once a month, I do a free call. And I just break down the structure of a deal. What's the ARV? What's the what's the comps and the rehab costs and all those things and show them, hey, look, this is a deal that the lender may like. This is a deal that you may be at a wholesale. So I like to act as a wholesaler. I like to act as a flipper and also a short term rental guy when I evaluate my deals. Because if I look at a deal that's off the market, it's got to fit one of those. It will fit. Maybe I'm gonna flip it. Maybe I'm gonna wholesale it, Maybe I'm turning to a short term rental. So being able to do that is very important for me to do calls once a month for free. I just do the call, just hop on my call. I just do it for free.
0: Yeah. So when are the calls Are is there a set schedule for them or how can we find out about your call?
1: Yeah. Could I, um, could I send you a link and then you can give it to Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'll I'll get you a link.
0: Yes, please do. Well, you you have been so knowledgeable. (laughs) I've learned a lot. It's been so fun. Do you have any questions or anything? Anything else that you want to share with us?
1: No. If anybody else have any questions, if you want to, I'm an open book, so if they if they want to ask any last-minute questions, that's fine with you. We'll give them a second.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So tell us, what's the name of your book?
1: My book is Diamond, Diamond in the Rough. From Diamond South
0: in folks. the Rough.
1: I'm like Nipsey Hussle. I'm self-published. So we got boxes and boxes and boxes up here. Because so I go I, oh yeah, I forgot to tell you, I travel do a motivational speaking. So I speak at schools and you probably see it on Instagram. But we'll sell these books to the actual like schools and stuff like that. And they'll be able to give it to the to the kids.
0: Nice. So how long have you been doing that? How long have you been speaking? I've been
1: speaking for probably about five years. I was speaking about 30 mm-hmm. times a year. Oh wow. Yeah. She said, oh wow.
0: <laughs> each oh, one, teach oh. one, are Like, how do you do it? How do you find time in the day?
1: <laughs> I got gray hat, I'm 32. <laughs> I just keep I just keep going. I kind of feel like sometimes I try to um I try to be God's given, like God's been so good to me. And so mm. every day I try to find a way to like beat his giving knowing that I can't. So I'm like giving here, giving there, just trying to just trying to keep going, just trying to pay him back. He keep waking me up. So I'm just trying to do it. Yeah, I ain't got I ain't got no time to play. (laughs) play (laughs) Like I got I gotta bring it every day. Every day.
0: Yes. I love it. That goes back to that mindset. So doesn't look like we have any other questions, but you guys can contact him if you hey you can follow him on Instagram, Prolific May. Um, and hopefully you guys enjoyed the podcast. So it was great speaking with you, Brandon. Thank you so much.
1: No, well, you the truth. I appreciate you. You got a good podcast. Yes.
0: Thank you.
1: Sure. <laughs>